Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And yeah. books are sexy. Are we recording and am I allowed to pop? Mm-hmm. Okay. Louis Maitreau. My phone's silenced. I think so. Louis Maitreau is making us some extra dry champagne. Grand Mouton. Is that like the big sheep? I don't know. Um, But it's made for the Earl of the House of the Grand Mouton. Um, And it's in France. It's from France. So I'm excited French champagne, extra dry. That's all we can ask for. It doesn't have to be from the champagne region. I'm going to call it champagne even still. Sparkling wine from France. We'll look up later what Mouton means. Ooh, beautiful. So it's actually release day today. We're recording on the day. But it's interesting because, man, the stores are busy in December, but the publishing houses really aren't putting much out. They want their books out, like we said, October, November. So they want them on our tables and our shelves for that entire shopping season. So there's really not much coming out this week, which we'll talk about later, but... We've all been sick, just like all you people. <laughs> no COVID, but it's the new whatever virus. It's the suck virus. It's the suck virus. Some snot. But you know what? We got sick before the holidays. So, cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. Sick before, the holidays. Be sick before the holidays. Because I have a brand new nephew who was born on December 7th. And he's coming home for the holidays, and Ugh. I want to hold him and smell him and kiss him. Can I hold him and smell him? Sure, we'll try and make that happen. Okay. <laughs> um, but you're mm, no, you'll get your chance eventually to have another little baby in your world. It'll be really fun. There is this baby that comes in the store. And I love her so much. Um, is it the one who can crawl now? Yes. She's my favorite. She comes like every weekend and she's so, she's just the smiliest, happiest baby. And her parents are so nice. And cool. Yeah. And she, her dad baby carries her, which is like really hot. <laughs> Men. I mean, by the time you have a baby, you are probably in a committed relationship. But if you want your wife to think you're hot, not necessarily the world, you'll get the world's admiration and then your wife will think you're hot if you baby carry because that's hot. I mean, I agree, but like when, whenever I was baby carrying, I don't think anyone was like, ooh, that's hot. No, <laughs> we don't get any credit for it. We don't get credit for shit. No, it's just nice when, you know, the men do their part. Like, I know. I know how to use a hammer. I can get my oil changed. I don't change it myself, but. <laughs> so what have you been reading, Ellen? As I mentioned to our cafe croissants, 
Um, I have been reading Signal Fires by mm. Dan Shapiro, which has been on my list, my TBR for a little bit, because um, it just sounded like an interesting premise for a book. And then Amy read it, and she mm-hmm. said it was like her favorite book of this year. So um, <clears throat> it's very good. So it's it's about these two families, these neighbors. They live across the street from each other. And um, one family has lived there for like decades they raised their kids there and now their kids are grown um and the wife is suffering like from dementia or alzheimer's or something like that and they're like moving out of the house like she's already in Mm -hmm. in a facility and he's moving out um but there was sort of this family tragedy some you know 15 years prior that they're still them and their children are still sort of reckoning with and then across the street um, there's a family that's been there for about 10 years, and it's this little boy, Waldo, who's 10. Oh, my and God. His parents, and Waldo is just, like, he's not a normal kid. You know, like, he gets picked on. Um, <clears throat> his dad is, like, not very nice to him, but, like, the dad has some self-awareness about it and self-hatred about it. Um, and the man across the street, the old man who's getting ready to move out, and Waldo have kind of this bond and events transpire. I won't give it away, but this is a very much a character yeah. driven story. It's about the people. It's not like yeah. a plot heavy story. Sounds like an um a Frederick Bachman type of story. Kind of. The writing is the prose is really beautiful. Um yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. What are you reading? I feel like I've been a very slow reader lately. And so I will be embarrassed if I'm talking about the same books again. Oh, I've had that happen. I'm still reading Demon Copperhead. Oh. Because I I, I shelved it because I have book club this week. Because you really wanted to savor Demon Copperhead. Well, and I also wanted to finish it closer too. So I'm also still reading Demon Copperhead. Yeah. Which was what I was reading last night because I need to get it done by Thursday. Um, okay, so I'm reading three things right now. One of them would be new mention for sure, but um, one is through our Libro FM. Okay. I'm listening to The Last Chair Left. And the reason I did this one is because the cover is ridiculous. It is a picture, is like a photo of a chairlift looking <laughs> off into dusk. And it is just not like it's not inspired. Like it is, is not it a great cover. Good, though, because yes, it's very good. Because it's John Irving, like so on. it's John Irving, and that's why I decided, you know, why not? And Libro FM I use a lot for books that I know are gonna be difficult to take on. Nonfiction, long things, things mm-hmm. outside my genre. Um, and I love having it as a distraction. I've been painting the walls here in our doghouse office space and I'll just turn it on or I'm driving kids around town or I'm wrapping presents. And I just love having a story on because it makes tedious tasks not so insufferable. And so I've been listening to it. It is a boy who was born to a mother who intentionally got pregnant at a young age. I think she graduated high school, but just barely. And she had basically selected a young boy she met who she had been like a teenager on the cusp of teenagerhood that she was going to like have, you know, hook up with because she knew the resulting pregnancy 
which she always refers to, would be all hers. This baby would be all mine. Oh, she didn't want to share the baby. Nope. She wanted to have a baby. The other thing we find out is she knew she was a lesbian. And so she... (laughs) I mean, this girl's like... This book has some I mean, I feel very, like there might be some more straightforward ways to handle that. But, you know, when you're young. Yeah. She she is a determined woman. Maybe not always well-guided, but she knows what she's, she wants and knows what she's doing. And there's this, like, huge theme of small men. Um, huge theme. Oh, yeah, you talked about that. Yes. <laughs> she really wanted, she really wanted a small man. Um, so it's about the, the boy being raised within this family of people who are all, um, queer in some way, like, um, amongst, you know, his mother, his mother's partner, his cousin, his cousin is dating a, um, a woman who, um, is a pantomime. Like she is selectively mute. And her mother, his mother, um, opted into a kind of arranged marriage with a man who was a small, a suitably small man, um, (laughs) who, as we come to learn over time is trans. Okay. And so, and for him, these are just people he loves and he worries for them, but you know, life goes on and it is one of those decades spanning books. We go from like the 1940s and I'm all the way to the eighties. And it's a little bit about the main character, Adams, like also about his always choosing probably inappropriate relationships, relationships that are not going to work out because of this unusual family background. So very okay. interesting, yes. very fat book, yes, very long read, book. but it is amusing and the characters are real. And it the whole time, I'm it, the way it reads is this is autofiction. This is oh, John okay. Irving describing his upbringing. Okay. I need to do some research. I haven't done it yet. Okay. Um, and then physically I'm reading this book called Big Swiss. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> It comes out when when did we decide? Like February, February, or March. February yeah. or March, and it is about a woman um, who is just a woman in her thirties, never found her path, always been lost, never really handled relationships in a straightforward, healthy way. Um, she's probably bi, and she is a transcriptionist for a sex therapist in a town that reminds me of the town of the Gilmer Girls. What is that town called? Stars Hollow. Hollow. (laughs) It's Stars Hollow for like the 50 plus crowd who have money and are like. And need a sex therapist. And also just in need of a new chapter in life. It's like, I, I keep thinking of how, Kids graduate from college in Iowa and they all have to go to Denver or Kansas City or whatever, like to, you know, like live a certain lifestyle because they can't stick around Iowa. And that's what this town is. And all the characters are interconnected and this sex transcriptionist can recognize them by their voices all through town. And so she knows who they are and all their things. And she has a fixation on one character who she calls Big Swiss. And they have now connected in real life. Ooh. And there are so many odd things about it, which is why um, 
it reminds me of the writer Otessa Mashefi. Um, just unusual, but readable. So, and then the last one is called No Bad Parts. It's recommended by the therapist I'm going to with my father <laughs> because he has lots of parts that are really hurtful to our relationship. And um, is this really cool philosophy? Like, it's almost like it's kind of trippy. It's this idea of everyone having multiple personalities. We've developed all these parts in our lives based mm -hmm. on our learned experiences. And some of them had functions they have to perform to, you know, preserve, you know, our, our inner self. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times we have these parts of ourselves that you could call bad, but really they're just performing a job that's no longer needed. So, yeah, that it, it, I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, Again, the book is a little trippy, um, but it makes it's it's everything I was seeing already in this dysfunctional relationship I have with my no father. No good parts. No bad parts. No bad. Parts. <laughs> <That> <laughs> so the idea sense. is you have to you have to see those parts and un, you know kind of commune with them almost and recognize yeah. why they exist so that they can kind of just step aside and let that true self of who you are. Huh. raise further up to the surface that sounds like something like conversations i was having with my therapist about like how you do the like maybe you put up walls or yep. you withdraw or whatever mm -hmm. and at the time that you did that and you, you it was a survival thing you did it because you had to perform to function now you don't need to do that yeah you don't look at yourself as like a bad person yep or like you know, a dysfunctional person because when you developed those habits, you needed those habits, but, but they're now getting in the way. Right. And if you, you think anymore. you are a very <clears throat> smart person, as my father does, and as many people do, you should take the time to self-examine. Mm. And yeah, it's hard to break habits. All of us have time, a hard time breaking habits. Well, we all kind of maladapt. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's hard to like, like I'm oversharing right now. There's probably a reason that I'm doing that. <laughs> That's one of my. Well, I am also I am also reading a book recommended by a therapist. Uh huh. I'm reading the five love languages, mm. which I'm almost done with. Um, What's your love language? Because we joke about this all the time <laughs> at the work. Um, my love language is acts of service. Yes. Which I knew I was familiar with the concept of love languages, but interestingly, when I went into this book, I, my thought process was kind of like. I need to, like, my husband and I both need to better understand when the other person is showing love. Like, oh, yeah. I, he needs to understand that, like, when I do your laundry or, like, when I clean up the house before you get home or when I cook your favorite meal when I know you've had a hard day, like, those are acts of love. Like, yeah. That's me showing you love. Mm -hmm. um, and it might not be, like, the way that you show love, but don't think that I don't love you. Because yeah. I and see it. You. you see it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but, and vice versa, right? So, mm -hmm. like, me accepting his love the way that he's giving it. Yeah. Um, but actually, the book is a lot more about changing your own actions. Cool. To speak to your partner's love language. Nice. So, like, you know, working on, like, okay, what does he need from me? How do I communicate it to him in a way that he would feel loved? Yes. And how can communicate it to me in a Which way Which is a more generous loved? approach and yeah, it, will, will make us happier. Yeah, it's been you know it's been really kind of cool like we've we both we both have read the book 
mm-hmm. um, or are reading the book. And we've been talking about it, and it's helping us like have I wonder good conversations. If, I wonder, do we have that book in the store? We probably we, should I get it. it from the store. Okay, okay, <laughs> we need to have it because I'm curious because Amy, one of our managers, yeah. is, will always talk about love languages, and she and her husband both work for us, so that's hilarious. Well, I think um, her husband's love language is like acts of service so she says that whenever she's like vacuuming the house she'll be like look kids I'm loving your father (laughs) (laughs) and but then she'll tell us she'll be like she'll talk about love language she's like it's okay if all of the five things are your love language maybe you need all five things so I kind of wonder if I go into it a little bit like that that you might have like multiple love languages and it has you sort of rank them okay like all of the things are good like all right. the things are things that we want really, we want words of affirmation some people don't care about certain categories i feel like it's just more like like if my love language is not physical touch i don't need to be hugged all the time to <clears> feel loved like yeah that's like you not fix, helping you, your goal when you fix shit around the house i feel loved by you yeah you know yeah yeah Whereas, like, my husband might I think I might be versus me, like, doing things around the house. Yeah. I think I might be a little bit acts of service as well. And I think I, I've, I haven't read the book. I'll, I better get on that bandwagon. I think wagon. I'm acts of service. And then, like, my secondary language would be, like, gift giving. Hmm. Things hmm. where I'm, like, showing, like, I like to show something. Like, both of those things are I'm thinking of you. Is there a words one? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So I yes. think it probably acts than words. Yeah. Interesting how we're talking about ourselves. My husband, his love languages just don't think there's. I'm doing anything wrong. Well, he. Pro- <laughs> I. But I would. I, it would be interesting. He might be words of affirmation. Okay. Well, I'll get him the book for Christmas. It's a short book. It's a good. It's a good read. I think any couple could benefit from mm-hmm. reading it because it's just like. It sort of reframes the way you think about things like, you know, you it's so easy to misinterpret yeah. what the other person is thinking or feeling. Yeah. And if you get so lost in that misinterpretation, your, like, relationship can tank. Yeah. And all for nothing, really. Like, yeah. So. Okay. So we spent a long time talking about what we're reading, which was why we opened a bookstore. We just wanted to talk about books all the time. Yeah. Uh, what is our topic of conversation for today? Oh, shit. I should get my computer. Me too. Um, I'm going to eat. Yeah, this eat and, and I'll get my computer. <laughs> it's bookless. It's best of here. Okay. Topic of conversation is best of the year list, which can be a little overwhelming this yeah, time of year. But I love to look at them. I and do. I will say that our next episode will be our best of the year. Right. Our picks from us and and the dog year sap. So yeah. It's and a- I mean, we should have had these a little bit earlier this season, people. <gasps> We've been sick and busy, we've bitches. Been sick. <laughs> and we um, also really wanted to take our time and make sure people's um, desires, their love of their the books this year were represented. Yeah, um, so we shared like a, you know, we'll get into it more next week, but we we got information from our staff about what they loved and we sort of like brought all of that together and we will present with you the dog-eared best of the year next right. year. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking about other best of the year lists yeah. that we pay attention to and just a little bit about how like 
how those the processes for those lists, like how the best books are determined, um, things that are surprising to us, things that we feel are sort of in line with what we're thinking. Um, but yeah. So Amanda, what list should we start out with today? Okay. <clears throat> I was just reminding you of one of the ones I've always looked to. And they have different recommendations at different times. They'll have like a summer list. They'll have a best of the year and they'll have different people who contribute. So I never really know what I'm going to get out of it, but NPR really does drive a lot of our customer base. Um, oh, it does. Yeah. If they're talking about a book on NPR, people will come in right. and ask for it. And so I'm really grateful that NPR, IPR yeah. has such a literary focus. Have you ever been like listening to NPR like in the morning on your day off and they're talking about a book and you're like, fuck, we don't have that book. Yes, I know. <laughs> and they're like, like oh, God damn order it. it. <laughs> I know. I know. Damn Thank it. you. I know. That has happened and to I me think, more than once. And I think we run into that the most with the nonfiction titles. Yes, I agree. Because we do not have, I mean, we have some, we're growing our staff in our nonfiction, history, science, nature, um, current affairs. There's so many I, books written about yeah. the current administration, the past administration, the COVID. I would say um, most of our, almost all of our booksellers read nonfiction. It's just not everyone's most Almost every, I think everyone primarily reads fiction. Right. We don't have like just a hardcore nonfiction reader. Right. So you're going to catch a short and we're going to, we're going to do our research. That's why we love our bookstore so much is that we are keeping tabs on NPR when they talk about <laughs> this new nonfiction book about how Trump screwed us over and there's new evidence of it and blah 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 you know like how many trump books are go they're going to be is basically how many our trump books do you have to write before he goes to prison i don't know that's the question i know it's like know. how many licks to get to the center of the tootsie oh my god that's such a great analogy <laughs> this is why you're so good at this um okay so let's start with notable books of 2022 right. from npr npr Right. So and they've got eight books They did here. eight, and I'm like, wow, that's so ballsy, just eight? Hard to choose eight. And the reason why I lean towards referencing this first is because when I saw it, I was like, ah, this is most in line with our curation. I know that there are a few, like, I saw somebody do a TikTok um, that was kind of like almost um, critiquing this list, but I look at it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I think it's a really actually a really good list yeah. because it encompasses sort of a wide variety. Right. Of, I mean, there's some fiction and nonfiction on here, but also like you've got kind of more your tropey mystery. You have kind of your light read. You have very literary on here. Right. Um, you have representation in here, so I feel like it's kind of a good across the board representation of what people are reading. And like right. you said, it's in line with our curation. It's yeah. in line with what our customers are reading. So to make you know reference to a few of these, first of all, I'm glad my mom died by Jeanette McCurdy, bio memoir. Yeah, can't keep this on our shelves. Everybody's reading it. Everyone who's read it, read it, is fascinated by it. It's killer. Um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin, one of my favorites. Same with okay, Lessons so in Chemistry. Okay, so I have it. I need to read it. Um, yeah, Lessons in Chemistry. I've also I've read that as well. Okay, somebody on staff has read 
Thistlefoot and loved it. It has a killer cover. It's like Grimm's fairy tale for adults. How high we go in the dark. I love how high we go in the dark. That's I would definitely put that on. I mean, spoiler alert, best of the year. Right. The Hacienda. That was one of Tommy's favorite. Um, I think the only one I saw a little bit of criticism on was Lucy Foley's The Paris Apartment. But you know what? People love Lucy Foley. So thank you for giving your readers another book this year. So I, I, I liked seeing that. I saw it as an affirmation of some of the things we're doing with our curation um, and that we're kind of, you know, we know that our readers look to NPR and um, apparently we have the same taste as these great reviewers. Um, they said this is a compilation of all the people on staff. That's what we're going to be doing with our list. So we love you, NPR. You have great taste. You can shop at our bookstore anytime you want. <laughs> okay. Now, probably another big one that many of our listeners right. are probably paying attention to is Goodreads. Right. Right. And I... So we're looking at the best fiction is, right, is the list right. we're looking at. And I find that really interesting because... We have half of our staff participating in Goodreads. We always pay attention to Goodreads kind of rankings. Yeah, I'm like, a, I pay attention to Goodreads, but I, I look at Goodreads like the way that I looked at standardized tests when I was a teacher. <clears throat> like, it gives me some information, Yeah, but it doesn't give me all of the most right. important. Like, right. I take it with a grain of salt. That said, there are some popping up on this list that are exciting. I mean, if you go to the Best Fiction Awards for Goodreads, you're going to see, again, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Everybody's loving that one. I loved it. I need to read. So Goodreads did not make these choices as an institution. It was the readers voting so I actually for weeks did, and weeks and weeks. I actually did a little bit of research into their process. So Goodreads staff, my understanding of this, I could be wrong nominates and it's based on data from goodreads so right. you could say that it's reader chosen right and then readers of those nominations vote, vote. them up yeah yeah so they already have a high ranking based on how people have uh rated i mean they're they're the nominated the they look at like a lot of the different <clears throat> criteria so and i do love data and i do love the idea of a group collectively coming together and sharing their thoughts. But we do know that people try and manipulate this data. The same with Amazon reviews, the same with Good, Good, Goodreads reviews. There are people out there that are trying to manipulate the data by, I don't know, using bots or, um, you know, crowdsourcing reviews to kind of push their rankings up. But there's some really great things on here. Um yeah, what are some what are some standouts for you on this fiction? List? So I think it's exciting to see um, that people love Frederick Bachman so much. I think this is like a comfort area for some people, for sure. Um, and it's his most recent called "The Winners." It's in the Bear Town series. It's the third in the series, and people love Frederick Bachman, and I'm okay with that. Like this is like character driven again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about heart. Some difficult things happen. Remarkably Bright Creatures has been a favorite. It's about the octopus. Everyone's obsessed with the <laughs> intelligent octopus. 
Um, I am surprised to see To Paradise on here by Hanya Yanagahara, because this is the author of A Little Life, and I enjoyed this novel. It has an outstanding cover. It has a really cool premise where it's like three time periods, 200 years apart, and how they're kind of semi-connected. Um, it's semi-alternative universe in the U.S. Like, it's like, if things were different and it was like sexuality was never questionable, like, there are some really cool things at play. But this is not flown off the shelves, but it is on the Goodreads list. Um, I'm not surprised Jody Picoult is on there twice. Wish you were here and Mad Honey. I'm I'm glad to see notes on an execution. I know. And then... And Olga Dice Dream. Yep. Yeah. Those were two books that I really enjoyed this year that rise to the top for me. Um, so I was excited uh, to see those. And if you scroll down, now is not the time to panic. Is, which what? is, hey, good for them because you know what? That just came out. Yeah. So for it to land on the best mm. of 2022. And Kevin's a little under the radar still. Yeah. I mean, I be- we believe in his work enough that eventually everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, Kevin Wilson. We know about him. He's amazing. But we knew he was amazing. <laughs> it's from- like how I feel about Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. It's like, like I've, I've been saying it. Yeah. But we have known from the beginning. Kevin, we have known. Yeah. Which I will hearken back to NPR. I discovered Kevin Wilson through NPR because Nancy Pearl, the librarian from, I think, Washington. She's been a regular contributor to their book reviews. She's out there. Just Google her. She has some some things to say about books every year. But she used to do a summer reads. And I picked up The Family Fang. And it's not my favorite Kevin Wilson, but it put Kevin on my radar. And so she saw something special. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's, some, these are, there aren't any real surprises. I would say Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellers. That one a was a little surprising surprise. to me only because, and I've not read it. We haven't seen <clears throat> that reflected sales. in our sales, but it makes me interested to read it. Right. And then also Other Birds by Sarah Addison Allen. Mm, yeah. Beautiful cover. Um, not been on my radar, so maybe I need to pick that one up. All right. Let's take a look at The Guardian. Okay. okay so, so these are chosen <laughs> by critics. Okay. Okay. So you'll see now the difference between like yeah. NPR where they're sort of like crowdsourcing info from across their staff and Goodreads that's crowdsourcing info amongst, you know, like thousands, probably millions of readers um, and critics' choice. Do we want to look at all of theirs or are we going to look, look at, at fiction? fiction. Let's I look mean, at fiction. fiction's our wheelhouse. Fiction's what we care about. Um, <laughs> we don't care about anything else. Here's, here's what I want to say, though. <clears throat> In best of lists, so there's certain award seasons that happen and certain best of lists that happen at different times. One of the things that I really think about um, are these children's best of lists. Mm. Because, you know, I'm very opinionated. And I my first love is always picture books and adult fiction. Um, when I look at some of these lists, a critic can evaluate children's literature, but what is children's literature for? Exactly. It is for reading aloud or capturing the mind of an independent reader, you know, reading aloud to a young child. And yeah, there are some 
there's some beautiful work happening, but if you cannot captivate the mind of the reader, then, you know, you've, you haven't won. And so I would just say, keep that in mind um, when you look at these best of children's lists, because there are some amazing pieces of work that are addressing some very valuable things that are happening, can captivate, captivate the mind of the child reader. So anyway, back to fiction. Fiction, our love, our love. So I will say on this list. The Guardian, um, of course, is... um, a UK publication. Yes. Okay. The only one on, I haven't actually read any of the books. On I here. know. Um, but I have chosen, it just won the Booker Prize. Um, the Seven Moons of Molly Almeida is. Um, yeah. So. I just bought we, it. We've chosen it for book, the store book club. So I'm yep. going to wait to read it. But Bailey, who I feel is kind of my book twin at the store and that the things that I really love, she really loves. And I've, I know. Although I, she loves horror. Okay. But like. And. There, it's a Venn diagram thing, like with me and you, right? There right. are books that I read that I love that I know you will love. Like, yeah. And and then there are ones that I love that I know you won't. Bailey, like, we're on the wavelength, I think, in, like, kind of craft yeah. and, yep. um, like, yep. character development. Yeah. And so, like, I know when I read a book, like, if Bailey will like it or not. <laughs> um. So, like, I knew she would, like, see Plane on Final Approach. Right. <laughs> Which she did. Um, We both chose The Five Wounds as our favorite read of last year. So anyway, I like, she read it. She loved it. She said it was so good. Yeah. So I trust her. Yeah. And I and that's why I bought it. Cool note, peeps. It's in paperback. So I think, you know, it take that's kind of how the book the booker kind of works. By the time it, we get around to award season, it's usually in paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it has a killer cover. It's so gorgeous. I'm going to read it. She says, please, please, please. This is going to be her crusade. She wants a million people to buy it. This, like, that is her great goal in life is to share that with as many people as possible. Um, I've been interested in The Furrows. Right. That's been on a ton of lists. It's been on a ton of lists. It's it's new. Like, it's it's come out fairly recently. And it's it's one that I just keep seeing crop up all over the place. Um, Yeah. I don't know much about it other than I think it's, like, about – childhood trauma and like living with all those feelings of childhood trauma right and then pretty much most of the others like have not been on our radar at all Mm -hmm. Um, except for send nudes has been on rachel's radar (laughs) (laughs) she does that all the time um yeah so send nudes when i sing mountains dance neither one of those had been on my radar at all thank you for putting it out there i feel like i've seen glory but a different cover yes um so we've had glory um this is i like this cover better no violet bulawayo wayo um but yeah i do like this cover better it's really interesting um it looks like it's got uh been on the booker list if my have my glasses on, I'd be able to tell you it might have been shortlisted, longlisted. Allie Smith is a, a returning champion. People love her writing. This is called Companion Piece. So anyway, um, interesting things. Um, you're going to find a few surprises when you when you come to The Guardian. And we can put links to these lists uh, on our social. Right. With this post. Okay. That's for you, Rachel, to do. In the show notes. 
links in, in the, the show, show notes people links in the show notes hit like and subscribe get some merch yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, and now I'm acting like my kids who think I they're know. YouTube stars. <laughs> this is my least favorite thing. So I usually get home a little bit after my kids have gotten home from school. And my the thing that like nails on a chalkboard is coming home to YouTube Fuck being yes, on 100%. our TV. Amen. Is the most annoying thing in the whole world. My kids love this YouTuber, Unspeakable. Unspeakable, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. No offense, but you're Congrats really annoying. On your you career. seem like a nice guy. You're yeah. really killing it, but I can't stand listening to you in the background. <laughs> no. I asked my uh, sister-in-law what my nephew wanted for, what I should get him for Christmas this year, and she's like, oh, he's really into Unspeakable, and I was like, shit. <laughs> so I got him an Unspeakable hoodie. <laughs> uh, what we do for our children uh, for the holiday magic. Okay. The New York Times. Any, was, do you, okay. Sidebar. Yeah. Whenever you're watching YouTube with your kids, I do you, not do that. Okay, I don't do it you're either. A good but mom. It's in the back. I don't either. But it's like in the background. Yeah. I can't help but hear it because like the volume control shit and it's yeah. super loud. Um, I find myself getting like angry. Yeah. Half because it's really annoying to listen to, but half because I'm like, look at these fuckers in their mansions. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like. Then they're making shit videos getting yeah. rich. Yeah, I hate it. It's not I fair. It. I hate it. If I made shit videos, I wouldn't get rich. You I'm know just what, saying. Though? I have always thought that it would be a very good premise for a novel to write about yeah. a child who grows up in like a YouTube type of family. Amen. Ooh. Authors, write it. Do I'm it. I'm going to write it. No I... take it. It's patented. Okay, fine. Do it. Copyright it. <laughs> Ellen Grimm. That's December said... 12, 2022. Okay. Ellen, Ellen, you could have a YouTube channel with your no. children. They got you a mansion because your kids are fucking hilarious <laughs> and smart and interesting and talented. And your husband could grow out his Beavis hair and be no. a whole character. No. And he's he's a lawyer. I mean, he's a lawyer, so that's probably why you probably couldn't do no, it. But. No, Well, my my son he could just does like have a, a YouTube channel, and it's pretty funny. It's hilarious. But it's more funny because he's my kid and I'm like, oh, kid. All of your kids are super intelligent and hilarious. <laughs> On the way to school this morning, Holden was in the backseat just singing to himself. And he was like singing this weird ass song about like that he was making up. And it was like, I'm going to go to my other dimension. <laughs> it is my destiny. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? I and those are the children that I will have the blessing to watch grow up and see what <laughs> they become. Your kids are pretty fucking entertaining too. <laughs> no, my kids are like normal. I have one who's a little. My I have one that's a little normal. One that's a little like surprise me. Your kids are all surprise me. My kids are like vanilla frosting on vanilla cake. They are. Oh my not. god! I shouldn't say that. You guys have. You guys have, but they would tell you, what do you want for dinner? Buttered noodles. Like but my kids don't want buttered noodles too. Okay. They're, I love my and children we'll say, to the Dad, ends of the earth. Nudes. But they, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. New York times. Oh my God. Okay. The New York, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this just reminded me because it happened during dinner last, while we were cooking last night. Um, <laughs> So Tato is getting fixed today. Tato is night, her the, pug. 
the pug. So last <laughs> night, Holden comes running upstairs. He's like, there's something wrong with his penis. <laughs> they brought him up and Tato, who's a small dog, had this huge boner. boner. And Atticus was like, it looks like a Nintendo Switch joystick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler's like, put him outside. <laughs> this is why I don't have boy dogs because I don't want to see it. It's gross. Yeah. I don't ever want to see it. <laughs> Did you see there's a toy that's like a pug and it just shakes its butt? <laughs> no. <clears throat> oh my God. Bringing us back to the topic on hand. All right, New York Times. Yeah, <laughs> they take themselves very seriously. Okay, so you've read this first one, The Candy House. Which yeah. By Jennifer Egan. You should have read. I do. I do need mm-hmm. to read it. It's one of those books that like keeps loves. staying on my TBR. The, a Visit from the Goon Squad, I think, is like a fantastic book, and she read that. So, so I read it because I knew you loved it, and I was like, here or there about it. It's, it is a story that has characters that interconnect. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Daisy Jones and the Six, to me. Yes. I could, if I'm comparing it to A Visit from the Goon Squad. But I'm also like... Ugh, I kind of just am annoyed. Like, where'd we get with this story? Um, but I, you know, it's it stayed with me and it was interesting. I picked up Candy House because I'm a responsible bookstore owner and I read <laughs> new releases so I can tell people about them. This can be read independently and it is fascinating. It is really fascinating. It is fun if you've read A Visit from the Goon Squad because it has these little threads that go back to the original characters, but there is something wholly new happening with this. Mm -hmm. It's like a new level of um, social media. There's a technology that allows you to kind of like upload your consciousness electively in that like you won't ever lose your memories but by doing so, you're agreeing to share your unconsciousness with all the others. But you can gain from all the other people's unconsciousness. Ellen, I would be able to remember, see, and view the first time you and I ever met in high school. I mean, we both know we know each other from high school. It would be interesting, though. <clears throat> like, what that, was going through our heads now when we saw each other? Essentially spouses. Yeah. That I don't know the first time I had a conversation with you. I right. don't know that was when we were growing up. Uh, I think we did. I fe- we might have. You made more of an impression on me than I made on you. Hmm. That's Poor not true. Me. I knew who you were. I know, but I feel like I had more of an impression of like awareness of you. You really impressed me. And when I was a kid, I was so fucking weird. No, in high school. I yeah. don't know what you were like as a kid. That's a kid. I don't That's what know. I mean. But, so if we participated in Jennifer Egan's Candy House world, we would be able to delve into these like deep levels of memories and visual memories. And mm. I relate to it in that like who doesn't mourn all the memories we lose from when our children are young children. It's like that movie Inside Out. Have you seen that? Yes. Oh, my God. Where there's that whole part about that, yeah. like your core memories and all the things yeah. you think you'll never forget. Yeah. You forget. And then they just go. When I saw that in the movie theater, I like sobbed. Yeah. I sobbed. And then, you know, like a year later or something, my husband and my daughter were going to have a movie night and they were going to watch Inside Out. And I was like, you're, you're going to cry. Peace out. Goodbye. You're going to cry. And he's like, uh-huh. and then afterwards he's like, you didn't warn me. And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> 
So anyway, that's Candy House. Cool to see that at the top of their list. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of me. This is my this is my bias about the New York list. Okay. They have their people. There's a little web of connectedness in the New York world, the publishing houses. It's much more like incestuous. Yeah. Um, but I do like the New York Times book reviews. Like I I do find them to be like the most thorough. They're so Um, thorough. And I love, I love author interviews. Yeah. So anytime I do anything for our store about a book or an author, I'm always digging for author interviews. And I love reading their author interviews. Checkout 19 was really like out there on a lot of radars. Um, I never read it, but it's on their best of, um, um, demon copperheads on here. Yeah. Which I'm reading. And I will say like, you know, there's, I, you know, my husband humored me last night and let me talk, you know, about Barbara Kingsolver for like a half hour. Oh, that's so generous. <laughs> Austin's never listened to me for more than like three minutes. Because he's like, what are you reading right now? And I said, oh, I've been reading Demon Copperhead. Oh. And so I was, he's like, and that's Barbara Kingsolver, right? And I was like, yes, it is. And there's just something He just about, got a badge. I know. A husband he's a, badge. He's a good husband. He's a, I love him. He, But um, there's something about the way that she can craft a story. Mm-hmm. The way that she can tell a story in this very intricate, but still like very readable and lovable way. It's like, I don't know who else can do that. Can I contrast that loving story with the last time I told my husband about a book I was reading? Because it was like, <laughs> you won't believe the stuff that's happening. And basically, I went on and on. And he was like, why are you still telling me this? <laughs> Although, um, your husband will read books that you want him to read. Where like, Ty- Tyler will not. If I'm like, here, you should read yeah. this book. He's like, mm. No, I'm going to read this Dungeons and Dragons fanfic. Um, I made him read years ago The Story Life of A.J. Fickery, which just came out as a movie. The movie did not do the book justice. It was a fine enough movie. I was like, hey, it's out. Let's watch it together. This was like recently in the last month. And he was like, no, no, I, I don't think we should do that. Because he remembered, <laughs> he remembered the emotional impact of that story. Yeah. Which ties us to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow because same, same author. author. Yep. Um, but he watched it with me. I cried. He didn't cry, but he did remember the impact of the story. And that was back when he was commuting. And I was like, if you are going to be driving an hour every day, you need to enrich your life by becoming an empathetic reader. Um, anyway, New York Times also includes includes trust. Yeah. So this is also one it. that's been like. <clears throat> I put it under with Candy House. Like, I there's too many books. To, I don't have enough time to read all right. the books I want to read. So there's books that just sort of live on my TBR, and then I, like, they, you know, something else comes along that I have to read first, but they still stay there. Like, my interest in them doesn't wane. This is one of them. And I love it. Um, I did enjoy it. And it's, it's basically like the people who have the power tell the story, and that's recorded history. What's, what's the real story? Well, maybe Can I'll add it trust? to my mad dash of reading to the end of the Yeah, I mean, if you want to get a 1920s, um, there are literary references in there, too. I'm, like, just jonesing for 1920s right now. If you are jonesing for <laughs> 1920s, go here. Okay. Um, it's 20s on, but it's, like, when the big mansions were all being built um, in Manhattan, that's the era. That's the era we're in. Um. 
Anyway, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. I thought it was really interesting. Okay, um, An Immense World by Ed Young made their list, best of 2020. See, so their, Chad really this loved cool. this book. Yeah, he loved it, and I love the monkey face on it. Well, there's so. an, this is an, one of those interesting things, too, which is similar to what happened with I'm Glad My Mom Died, which is this book is, which I think this one we could have probably better predicted, but it's hard to get now. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so popular. Then I don't know Stay True. That's on their list. It's a memoir. I actually had someone come in asking for this yesterday. Probably because of this list. Maybe. Yep. Um, and another one, Strangers to Ourselves, Unsettled Minds and the Stories That Make Us. Hadn't heard of it. Oh, you know what? But I guess we got to get them in. So I you can't know, remember the exact quote. I'll go back and listen to it. But Jason Reynolds was on NPR this morning. Yeah. And he had this, like, quote. And I knew it was him when they were talking to him. I didn't hear the introduction, but I was like, that's Jason. Oh. Um, but he said something like, sor- like stories are um, something about, like, um, our- storytelling is the most human thing we can do. And, oh, like, I, I, need to, you, I need to pull that quote. Because pull that was, quote yeah. and let's put it somewhere. Let's put that on the front of our store on Jason, our bricks. Go we on love a date you. With me. I know. Ellen has a lot of crushes. I do. My biggest crush is on my husband, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of celebrity crushes. Well, not summer really. literary. I have like summer three. Musical. I have like three celebrity crushes. Okay, tell us your three celebrity crushes. Jason Reynolds, mm-hmm. Taylor Hansen, and then my number one, Joel Kinnaman. Is Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, because of the hots. Like, if I get five free passes where I can like have sex with a celebrity, mm-hmm. I'm going to use all five of them on Joel Kinnaman. Oh, my God. Wow. You just want access to the other two. Totally. Like, uh, you, you'd be happy being, like, intimate BFFs, like, hand-holding with Jason Reynolds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I... Do you even... Do you have a... I've never heard you really talk about a celebrity crush. I don't. I don't. That's I'm, really too bad. I got I got messed up because I married my high school sweetheart. I met him when I was fifteen. I guess it warped my head. Only got <laughs> eyes for you, Austin. Only so you, Austin. All my eggs are in one basket. I feel which like is why Rachel, we have to read our freaking love languages book. You do. <laughs> There's no going back There's now. No going back. We have to make sure it works. Um, I feel like. So Rachel and I went to a Hanson concert this summer, and I think that Rachel has the hots for Taylor, but she won't like totally admit it, which I understand. She likes Isaac. That is like not okay. okay. (laughs) So Rachel, you're that tune in. What's your? You're in a relationship. It's very committed. What is your celebrity crush? Have you ever had one? Okay, tell us. Isaac Hanson, apparently. Uh, I don't and on the spot. Uh, well, Taylor Swift. I've loved the Ryans at several sure. points. Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Fair. Um, Michael B. Jordan's really hot. Yeah, he's hot. Um, oh, who was the lead guy in Crazy Rich Asians? He was really, really hot. Oh, too. Henry. Um. Oh, what's his last name? My old man crush, though, is, um, oh, my God, oh, my God, my brain just completely wiped. Uh, what's his face from Tron? Tron? 
Henry Golding is who you're Henry thinking. Golding, yeah. He was in a Christmas movie called Last Christmas, which is a literal literal interpretation of that song. And my friend Aaron made me see the movie. FYI. Oh, my sister and I love Jeff Bridges. Like, oh my so God, much. the Duke. Yeah. Like, yes. Well, he's not the Duke, but he's played the Duke. He is the dude. Oh, I'm the going. dude. I thought you said the Duke. I was like, no, the dude. The dude. Yeah. No, so I like love, love, love Jeff Bridges. When I was younger, I remember being really obsessed with, um, oh, what's his name? Gerard Butler. So. Max Elliott Slade from Three Ninjas. I've never seen Three Ninjas. Fuck so you. Really I was trying to sell Three Ninjas to Ava, our bookseller, the other day. She said her, her dad was making her watch Duh. 90s movies. And oh, I said, Duh. I was like, have you seen the Three I Ninjas? Have Best movie of the 90s. My children on 90s movies, and they are grateful Se- for it. Thank you. Sebastian Stan. Who? Sebastian Stan. Who's that? Who's that? He plays the Winter Soldier. He also played Tom and Pammy and Tom. But I have no idea what she's talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> these kids these days. <sighs> Rachel's a different generation. But the reason why this works is that she rises to the occasion. And that's why I call her a sister daughter. Because you're the I good always, nice mom. I'm the mean mom. <laughs> I always think that she's in our generation. And then I'm like, oh, are you 15 years younger than us? <laughs> Shit. We have no point of reference that we shared. But she was, she was raised by a very good mom and an older sister that helped elevate her to... Yeah. Jill's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember my... I remember my only... I remember my only celebrity crush... Was what's his name who played Casper at the end of Devin Sawa? Devin Sawa. You'd watch like the whole movie just for Devin Sawa. I know. I can be on with you guys about like I fucking love Devin Sawa. Whatever happened to him? Uh, Is he dead? No, he's no, he's alive and he's good. But I would never have sex with him now. Like, like (laughs) there's nothing there. I don't know. I'm more like a character driven. I think more than looks driven. But I mean, agree. Probably. I So I fell in love with Joel Kinnaman as Detective Holder on The Killing. Okay. So hot. I fell in love with Austin when he was wearing soccer shorts and cleats and soccer socks on the soccer field when I had to go watch his brother play soccer. And so, like, my vibe is him on the soccer field. So if I were to have any, if they were to if put were too like, cute of character on Ted Lasso, I might run into trouble. Okay. Because when Austin played adult soccer, I was like, oh my God, I have the hots for you again. But he <laughs> would not, not head the ball. And I said, you are too valuable and too old for adult league heading. You are already got You've already got anger issues. CTE. <laughs> CTE. Heading the ball is a very big deal for those of you who do not play soccer. The the damage to his brain has already happened from many headings of the ball, plus some tackles when he was the kicker in football in high school and college. But you need him to like dress I need, up as a soccer player to like. Yeah. I like, like his sexy soccer legs. That's where I fell in love with him. So sexy soccer legs. Yeah, go back to adult soccer league and play for me, and I will find you very attractive. But don't head the ball because then I will be angry at you and then not like you. Okay. 
That seems like a pretty doable. It's a like, good love language. Clear cut instruction. It's so clear. All you have to do is play soccer and not head the ball. Yeah. That's and then all, you'll get that's it. That's literally all you have to do, Austin. Yeah. But he, he's so stubborn. He can't compromise. He's like, well, you can't play the game and not head the ball. You like, I'm like, it's adult rack soccer. Okay. <laughs> Take a chill pill. So were there any other lists? We kind of went off on a tangent as we tend to do. Phone about my dog. Hello. Okay. Are we live again? <laughs> okay. Okay. USA Today is our last one, also chosen by critics. All right, Amanda, what do you think? Well, I'm excited to see In Love by Amy Bloom at the top of the list. Because I thought it I haven't was ex- read it. It was excellent. It was, it was very good. Yes. Is it a memoir? It is a memoir. So Amy Bloom lost. So her husband elected assisted suicide mm. when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So they um, <clears throat> traveled to Europe and like one of the only places that she could do it, um, like within six months after his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so it's about that journey, that decision, how she came alongside and supported him, you know, like fielding other people's opinions about it. But really it's like a love letter to her, uh, to her late husband and also kind of an argument for that right to choose, you know, right. um, but it's wonderful. Um, the next on their list, sorry, Star Wars, not here <laughs> for you. You can't make the best of, um, I'll skip ahead. I was excited to see Booth on the list by Karen Joy Fowler. I read this one. Um, she wrote the book, We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. This I love book, that book is rea- it's an imagining, not reimagining. It's an imagining of taking historical documents, all the research she has at her hands to imagine the family behind John Wilkes Booth. This was a family of, I think, like, at one, they had 10 children. Not all of them lived. Um, and an alcoholic father who was obsessed with being an actor. He was a Shakespearean actor from the UK who moved his family over to the US. Um, they just they just were dysfunctional. Um, not that we had expectations of functional families at that <laughs> I time mean, period. It was Sean Wilkes Yeah. But <laughs> obviously um, something went a little He was wrong. obsessed with his acting, but he was also an alcoholic. Um, and it would affect his acting. He wanted everyone to be in the family business. Um, the family was dysfunctional. And um, there were daughters, there were sons. John found, in a way, Joy, Karen Joy, like, really didn't go there explicitly. But as I'm talking about this book now, it is an illustration of how a lost person can find meaning in a wrong cause. Mm -hmm. So he found his cause in the civil war as anti-abolitionist. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's the one who took down Abraham Lincoln and it was fascinating. You know, like we, we know that Abraham Lincoln was shot in a theater but there is so much more to the story. The Wilkes Booth or the the family, the Booth family, what has this whole storied history in the theater 
the brothers were, you know, performing together for like one of the first times ever. There was this whole storied history, the father, the sons, they had all acted in different ways. It's a very, very rich story. And also how one character's um, poor behavior can change the name for all eternity. The Booth family was a wonderful Shakespearean family with its own flaws, but now we'll only know it as the person who married or, or murdered uh, John Wilkes Booth or uh, Abraham Lincoln. So that that's all we know. Notes on an execution. You got that one. Yeah. Favorite I of think yours. That, that was a good one. It was it's about um, a guy who is on death row. And so the story alternates chapters. And so one of those those threads is the day of the execution. And it's from the murderer's point of view it's the day of his execution so it's like the countdown to the execution the other chapters are interspersed between three women who have connected with him at somewhere they're not necessarily his victims Mm -hmm. um, but they have been impacted by his actions and so um, it's kind of their stories and their interactions with him Uh, sea of tranquility love sea of tranquility i thought it was a beautiful book um and she's definitely a tone She's like a Ugh. type of music to me. Yes, like that's a good way to describe her. Right. Writing. She yeah. is very much a genre of music that you either. It, it's beautiful writing no matter what. Um, what's interesting is this one slightly connects to The Glass Hotel. Yes, which I read and loved. I right. Thought, I thought The Glass Hotel was an excellent. And you movie. don't have to have read The Glass Hotel. No. Because I had much time between the two and, you know, I I just had the thinnest threads. Um, Lessons by Ian McMewen. Um, This is been on our shelves. Haven't read it. Same. But it looks interesting. Right. Let's see what else. Um, Our Missing Hearts by Celestine. Mm. So I've talked about this one. She's a powerful writer in that her work has resonated in such a way that it's become miniseries. Little fires everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can never remember her first work. Everything I, everything never, told I never told you. Which I think is her. I have not read Our Missing Hearts, but I think Everything I Never Told You I liked better than Little Fires Everywhere. Right. And it's a, she does... There is a darkness to what she writes. Oh, yes. There is a struggle, um, but there's an addictiveness. There's a little bit of mystery. And this one really relates to the idea of a country and economic downturn, our country, that then blames China for all of our failures. You know, it's China's (laughs) fault. And also in the wake of a pandemic, um... Oh, everything's China's fault. And so we have to adopt an America first agenda. And if you do not adopt an America first agenda, you risk losing your children, similar to the way in which indigenous children were rehomed into schools where they would be educated out of their indigenous culture. So this idea that if you are not putting America first, your children are in in a dangerous community you know, environment, and we will remove them. So it forces you out of the love for your children. 
into keeping quiet and not becoming a dissident. And so this is a family in which a mother's work, whether she intended it to be so or not, has become a calling cry for a group of dissidents and how she then had to remove herself from the family to protect her child so that her child would not be removed. And we're kind of like at that brink of, how do you fight a government that seems to have authoritarian control? Um, so that was, I, I think that's great. George Saunders. Here's where we get into some of these incestuousness. You know, you feel like, of course, George Saunders is going to be on their list. Liberation Day. He wrote uh, Lincoln and the Bardo. Liberation Day is nine uh, stories that he put together. It's his first short story collection in many years. Um, I'm no, not, it's not the time to panic is on here. Okay, bless you. We give you credit. Jennifer Weiner got on with Summer Place. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a favorite. Um, to Paradise, again, she's a favorite. Um, it was a very good book, but... It's dark. You know. Yeah, it's dark. I mean, it's not as dark as... <laughs> a Little Life. A Little Life is definitely not as dark as that. It's very interesting. I also see the nonfiction from Stacey Schiff. Stacey Schiff is a New York Times favorite nonfiction writer. She wrote one about Cleopatra. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner, biographer. This is about Samuel Adams. And okay. our customers have a lot of interest. Okay. Who is this? Who's the guy? Who what is are, he? Who's the guy behind the beer? <laughs> so we got... We've got some people interested in that. And C.C. Schiff is the best historical fiction bio writer. All right. Let's talk about what's popping at the store. Actually, let's first say lists are just lists. They're ways to inform our reading, but they're not the end all and be all. And ultimately, you should be reading books that you love, no matter what anybody else says about this. And what we love about our staff is that our staff is a very diverse group of readers. Mm, We try and hire and empower people who love all of our genres. And so when we put out our best of the year next week, we'll hopefully be representing all of our community's interests. So please pay attention. Okay. Here's what's popping at the store. Tomorrow, Wednesday, 10 o'clock. Story time. Amanda. Yay, we're healthy again. We're healthy again. We'll be reading a fun um, seasonal story of some sort. All right. Thursday, December 15th, 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. Come hang with me and talk about Demon Copperhead. Demon Copperhead. I can't wait to hear what you think in the end. (laughs) Friday night, we've got our Found in Translation book club at 7 o'clock discussing A Winter's Promise, which has been kind of a runaway favorite right it's young adult technically but there's a ton of overlap between our adult fantasy readers and our young adult fantasy readers it's translated from french saturday at seven o'clock this is december 17th we have the between the covers book club discussing a very merry bromance yeah and then monday december 19th five o'clock women from other worlds book club discussing a half-built garden so we got a lot of book clubs coming up. It's a book up. club. It's a book club week. And that's what's popping. Yeah, that's what's popping. And as far as new books go, you know, come pick pick up some of the best of the year. Come yeah. reference some of those lists. 
um, come talk to us about the people you love in your life and we will match them with the perfect book for your holiday gifting. Um, and you know, if you have some downtime over the holidays, which some of us do, let us help you find the best book for you. All right. Keep the champagne flowing and the books going. Boop, boop. The end. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yep, and if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs)